The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Monday, June 20th, 2016. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca, and I bring to you news of the Brexit. 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 Easy go. Whether to stay in. Easy go. Or go. It isn't over. Brexit. I'm quite interested in the Brexit, Britain's impending vote in three days' time, whether to stay or leave the EU. Though, when you look at the Brexit through the non-British lens, let's imagine how the Europeans are thinking of the Brexit. They're wondering whether the Brits will remain EUnified or whether they'll be repudiated. I have examined in this space the arguments for and against the Brexit. The arguments for leave, terrible. The arguments for remain, Sound. I've examined the branding. Leave. Urgent. Remain. Flaccid. I've examined the odds. Leave. A little bit unlikely. Remain. I'd say probably going to happen, but it's far from certain. But now let's examine the visual. There is this big poster making the rounds, and I do mean the rounds. They've slapped it on the back of trucks that drive around the streets, and it has the words breaking point. And it's a picture of a mass of people, brown, mostly brown people, it must be said, in a column. And this column winds to the corner of the shot. And the image becomes less sharp as this mass of people recedes. And it implies that the stream just might be never ending. This stream of people, mostly brown, it must be said. And where are they heading? Little England. How do we know this? Well, the real picture took place in Slovenia, but it's strongly implied. And look at the people. One guy has a sweatshirt that says, New York. That's scary. A few have hoodies. You don't know their motivation. One has a white shirt or scarf tied around his forehead like a bandana. Bandana equals bedraggled. Know what I'm saying? How many of these people actually ever made their way to England since the picture was taken a year ago? Probably zero, but that is not the point. The point is breaking point. The party UK independence behind the photo says people are only upset with the photo because MP Joe Cox was shot and killed. Well, yeah, people are upset that Joe Cox was shot and killed. And then they look at this poster and they say, that's racist. It's definitely xenophobic. She was shot and killed by a racist xenophobe. The the connection is not that out of bounds, I would say. And I would just like to note as I look at this picture that the UK's meme game does not seem up to snuff. Maybe they're just not on Twitter enough, but I am not seeing what we'd see in America if this thing were as omnipresent in America as it is in the UK. Granted, America's four times the population, possibly 20 times the access to Photoshop, but we would be grafting, crying Michael Jordan's face in there. Star Wars kid would have a cameo in this picture. I can't believe if this were an American campaign, we wouldn't see some mashup of the Sgt. Pepper's album cover somehow somewhere in this picture i do see a couple of cats i see a breaking point take with a couple of cats it's not enough uk and this has been brexit 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 all right you can stop it now on the show today i spiel about america's own interaction with a particular scary brown man bonafide in the case of the orlando killer but our question to grapple with was not an image but words but first i'm proud to be joined by our version of royalty it's big frida queen of bounce
So anyone who knows geopolitics knows that the head of state or the regent is a different person than the ambassador, but I can think of one exception. When the kingdom in question, sorry, not a kingdom, a queendom is the queendom of bounce because Big Frida is both the queen of bounce, but also an ambassador of bounce here to explain and propagate the word of bounce. Big Frida is with me, her Fuse TV sensational show debuts season five, right? Yes, season five. But but it's not been on for five years. Like some years they have two seasons. Yes, Yes, definitely. Because it does seem that in the last three years, I've gotten about a decade's worth of Big Frida information. Yes. <laughs> this is it, your time, Frida. Uh, it is. So I think when I first started reading about, before I even heard the music, started reading about the phenomenon, it was always called Sissy Bounce, but now it's just called Bounce. So why did they drop the Sissy? What's the well, derivation? Well, I mean, it, it, it never was called Sissy Bounce. Oh, it was called that by others. Right, yeah. by others. It was always Bounce Music. And... When an article came out a while back and they, you know, tried to put it in his own category, the term was just not, you know, at the end of the day, I'm an artist who just so happened to be gay. And I want the respect to be an artist first and foremost, you know, without putting a label on it. And, you know, we do have sissy rappers in New Orleans and, and that's what it is. But also the straight artists in New Orleans, they started to feel like, you know, we were trying to change the name of Bounce Music. To, oh, take it away from them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, which it's was... Be- n- it's better to be inclusive right. at the end of the which, day. Right. You yeah. know, which was not the case. So at the end of the day, it's all Bounce Music and we don't separate it. What was Bounce before you got there? It was, the, uh, you know, all of the wonderful pioneers, DJ Jubilee, all of the Cash Money family were all doing Bounce. It was T.T. Tucker, DJ Jimmy, DJ Irv, Miss T, Partners in Crime, Fifth Wall Weeby, all the pioneers who started the trend of Bounce music. I was a kid listening to it in, in middle school and in high school, and now to be one of the ambassadors of it is just <laughs> So amazing. The the headliner, I would say. Now, in high school, in middle school, did you were you in the band? What was your musical background? Well, I was in a band. I played bass drum for a little while, which I, you know, it was just too heavy. So I was like, this is not the job for me, honey. Were you in one of those marching bands where some other kid wore it on his back and you pounded the oh, drummer? No. You wore it on your, strapped to your stomach. Uh, yeah. Strapped to my stomach. Well, strapped to my shoulders and yeah. it landed on my stomach yeah. and I would have to hit it. Well, maybe this taught you rhythm because you weren't just playing the drums. You were feeling every vibration coursing through the soul of your being. Oh, yes, definitely. So I did that for a while, but my thing was always choir. I was the choir director in high school, choir director at my church home. I sung with other multiple choirs in New Orleans, and that was my musical background growing up as a kid. Southern Baptist? Yes. So that's a... a uh, let us say, unforgiving religion in yes. many aspects. Yes. So are you religious now? Definitely. Are you Southern Baptist? Yes. So how did you square that with the fact that you're proudly out and gay and maybe some Southern Baptist, like your mom, might have a problem with that? Well, um, you know, my mom didn't have a problem with it, and my mom was my biggest supporter. And um, most of the time, even when I was growing up as a kid, a lot of black churches in New Orleans, they accept gay people. And it's usually the choir director or the or Organist who's usually gay and, you know, the church family accepted. And it's, you know, I wouldn't feel offended in any way at church. What about in high school? So I've read interviews where you said you knew since you were 12 or 13 that you were gay. How 
out were you that had a different definition with people? Did the kids in your high school know? Did they give you a problem? Of course. You know, I, they knew. You know, yeah. I was picked on. I was bullied. I was called a fat sissy. But I, plain and simple, I fought back. I stood up for what I believed in, and I, I wasn't, you know, backing down. And my mom would always say anyway, you know, you better get out there and tell them who you are. And over a course of time, all of the students at, you know, in high school started to love me and, they see that I wasn't going anywhere, so they they all joined aboard, and we all became friends. Do any of them show up to your show now, and you're thinking, you you gave me shit in high school, and now you're twerking? Well, not really. You know, a lot of them used to pick on me, and I'll see them out. You know, I probably will see them in public in New Orleans, you know, me, being that I still live there. And, um, you know, we all laugh about it now. We're all adults, and— that was high school. So tell me, when you you grew up listening to the music, I mean, anyone in New Orleans, rap was bounce. It was really, it's hard to separate the right, two it in, is. A, in a big it's, way. It's a hip-hop, you know, a genre of hip-hop. What did you want to bring to it? What did, You said, I love it, this is my kind of music, but I want to take it somewhere. Where was that? Well, I just wanted the world to see it. And that's how I become the ambassador, being that I was able to take it outside of New Orleans and travel all around the world and make people aware of the culture of New Orleans and the style of bounce music. So um, that was my thing for it. And then the sound of my voice was just so unique and different from everybody else in the rap game, which we all have our own sound. My sound just, you know, steady elevates me. Yeah. And also I noticed, look, I have heard most of the songs that they played on your show. I've heard your famous collaborations with RuPaul and Beyonce. I've heard a bunch of your songs. I'm not saying I go really, really deep. But it seems to me that it's not a Lil John intricate winding of lyrics. It's pretty simple, accessible stuff that emphasizes, you know, one or two messages that's hard to mistake. Would you say lyrically that is a signature? Well, it is, and and that's what you have with bounce music. It it can be, you know, less lyrics, but it's about the music and about the beat and about, you know, what you're telling, the, you're instructing your audience to do, and, and that's how we do it in New Orleans. You know, like if I say bend over, we might bend over like 50 different ways in that one song. And uh, <laughs> so it, that's what it's about. It is about, you know, repetitive lyrics and a thumping beat that just, you know, have your head bumping. Now, I noticed in your book, God Save the Queen Diva, Diva. yes, uh-huh. there are some, I suppose, helpful diagrams about different yes. moves. But I have to tell you, I could look at those diagrams forever, and I would never be able to execute most of those moves. Really? I don't think it's about diagrams. I think it's about... Well, wanting to go for it, which maybe I have a block or an obstacle, but also there's like an execution element of just being able to at light speed, you know, do that many buttocks thrusts that I don't think I could get there. You you can. I can. You can, definitely. Well, and, you know, real soon you'll be able to get, you know, the Big Frida app that will provide the workout. Thank God. um, You know, experience. You'll be able to work out and also learn dance moves at the same time. Squats, that, that a good exercise for twerk? Oh, definitely. Ab exercises? Oh, yeah, all of that. Yeah. So tell me about the marriage, though, of twerking to bounce music. Was it there before you? As much as you're known for bounce music, you have a squad of dancers, and you've made twerking explode. And when Miley Cyrus twerked, people ran to you and said, what do you think of her twerking, her appropriation of it? Were those two, was the dance and the music always together? Yeah, it was. You know, they've been having girls and guys twerking way before my time in the 
Orleans, and um, it was a big thing. As I got in the game, I just started to enhance some of those things, created some of my own, you know, moves and signatures. So what's a, what's a uh, Big Frida twerk move that without Big Frida, the world would not know this small version of twerking? Does it have names? Can you describe it? Well, I mean, basically, you know, twerking with the hands in the air. That's mm-hmm. one of my signature things where I, I can shake with my hands kind of in the air, you know, both arms in the air. And that's one of my Frida signature things that I do always on stage. That engages the quads. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Five seasons of the Fuse TV show, a lifetime of rapping. 15 seconds on a Beyonce song, which got you the most attention? Oh, God. Each level has helped change my life and in my career. I I definitely think that Fuse TV has been the biggest platform, though, for me, being that I get to tell my life story on TV and people get to engage with what I do and the style of music I do and the culture of New Orleans. You know, Beyonce, the collaboration that took my career to another level and opened me up to a whole new audience of fans. But she knew you before the TV show, Of course. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So we we get in this new season, we see you on the phone with Beyonce. Was that the first call you got from her? Well, yeah, Yeah. because there was only one call. (laughs) I got a call from her publicist first, though. Okay. Saying that she was going to call me, not yeah. knowing when, but she Did you said, believe the publicist? Of you course. it was a joke? No. No, okay, that's good. Yeah. Definitely not. So how specific was she in what she wanted you to do? Because I know they only gave you a snippet of the song, but what were her instructions to you? Well, she just told me what the song was about, and she told me she wanted some New Orleans stuff and to have fun with it and do whatever I felt. So she wanted you for a number of reasons, but the word, I think that you probably say it a lot on the show, you've said it in your book, what she wanted was the authenticity, the the authenticity of New, of New Orleans, Orleans right? Yes. And she, in that song, she's conveying authenticity. This is what it's all about. Are there any moments where you feel less than authentic, either having to be on reality TV or just in your own life? No, not at all. I, that's that's why people love me so much, because I continue to be me and to be authentic to who I am and to New Orleans and to my style of music. Do you see yourself as more a musician or a brand? Both. Yeah. I'm a musician who's a brand. Do they ever come into conflict? No. So everything that you do as a brand, though, is based on the bounce music and trying to, you know, as we talked about, be an ambassador yeah, for that. Yeah, bring it yeah, back yeah. to the music. There's a store, uh, probably a few stores, that sell one of these uh, little toys. That Big has Frida in your pocket. Big Frida in your pocket. Take me everywhere with you. <laughs> and, and it has different Big Frida phrases. Yes, you already know. <laughs> Girl, down. Release your wiggle. <laughs> So if we record that, we don't even – you're cutting into your own bottom line. We're cutting into Big Frida in your pocket. Yeah. So in the show, I mean I only saw – I saw the first two episodes and in it, your boyfriend, Devin, mm-hmm. asks for your hand in marriage. Asks he does. Asks Uncle Percy. And I thought it was funny that Uncle Percy immediately said, did you get her pregnant? Yes. <laughs> and he was thrown for I, a loop. I, I, I was like – I was so blown away in shock. I was like, Uncle Percy said, did you get her pregnant? <laughs> Did he? I mean, did he just think of that in the moment, or did the producer? The producer didn't say he's what he's what Devin's going to ask you. No, wow. He just thought of that in the moment because see, we don't usually see each other or the person before we get to interact because the moment has to be so real. That's one thing about my show. Like we don't do storylines and any of that. Yeah. So when Percy and Devin met, they were 
in separate rooms until it was time for the cameras to start rolling. How much preparation goes on with meeting with the producers and kind of planning out a season? Oh, my God. They keep me wrapped <laughs> around their fingers. Yeah. Throughout. They're texting through the middle of the night with ideas. I'm totally involved. I'm one of the executive producers on the show as well. So I'm all in. The size of venue that you're playing since the show started, how has it increased? Oh, my God. Unbelievable. And just the numbers of people that come out to see me has increased tremendously. A few years ago, you opened for the Postal Service. And I read, I was reading about, I remember when that was going on, and there were articles like this one in Uproxx. Exceedingly white Postal Service fans are confused by Big Frida serving as the band's opening act. And they plucked a few tweets like, what is going on? Why all the pink shorts? But when you were experiencing it, did you see a confused audience or an audience that maybe didn't expect you to be the opening act, but went with it when you uh, when you got into your music? Yeah, I, they definitely were shocked. I uh-huh. saw a lot of mouths drop, but they were very much into it. By the time the show was over, I had a lot of people up on their feet. Do you like that? Do you like the ability to, to proselytize, the ability to surprise people as opposed to what you do now? People come to a show knowing what they're going to get? Yeah, I do. You know, it's always good to be a shocker. You know, when I first started to travel around the world, this was a shocker to everybody. And there still is places and people who haven't saw me live well, when they see me, their mouths are dropping and um, they're very shocked. But now that's getting less and less possible. I mean, everyone's no, everyone knows Big Frida now. Oh, yeah. We're losing but that. They, no, we're, we're losing that, but we yeah. we keep shocking them in other areas. Yeah. You have nice pink highlights and you're, are you about 6'1"? 6'2". 6'2", okay. Well, you were wearing just sneakers, so I couldn't... Maybe... Did, did the sneakers have a heel? I can't tell. No, no they're, they're flat. just sneakers. They're, they're high tops, but... Okay. So you're a large presence. You have the pink highlights. Is this how you dress on your off day? People know you when you walk by? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, they know me from my walk. Yeah. Like, people like, I knew that walk. I'm like, how you know my walk? <laughs> Walking through the streets of New York, how often do you get stopped? Quite a bit. Yeah. What about New Orleans? More anonymous in New Orleans? Or oh, no. No, no. They're blowing horns. They're jumping out of cars, running up to me in a grocery store. Kids on owls, you know, peeking around. My, it's Big Frida. And, you know, <laughs> so, no, they show a lot of love at home. Big Frida's new season on Fuse TV. Every uh, Wednesday, Wednesday we get Fuse. a new episode of Big Frida. And yes. musically... Playing where? Have any club dates coming up? Any show dates? No more clubs, right? Well, I do. I have a lot of shows coming up. I'm actually doing Shreveport and uh, Magnolia, Mississippi, and then I'll be back next week around the 24th for Urban Outfitters here in New York. I'm doing Prides all around the world right now, so it's Pride time. What's Pride like in Mississippi? Mississippi, I'm more than sure it'll it'll be jumping. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere you go, there's no problem. No one tells you tone it down. The local authorities will not stand for this. Well, I mean, I was just banded in Mississippi not too long ago for gyrating, Uh and um, you'll have to see how that plays out on the show. (laughs) There's a teaser. All right, see every Wednesday on Fuse TV, we get more of Big Frida. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. And now the spiel, redacted Akbar. On the show, I do not say the names of mass shooters. I don't dwell over their motivations, except for my usual point that we usually give too much credit to an ideology's ability to warp the mind as opposed to a warped mind's agency in seeking out an ideology. 
Of course, radical Islam is a problem. I can use the phrase radical Islam. I don't have to worry about alienating the GIST's Jordanian allies in the fight against terror. Please note that GIST has no Jordanian allies in the fight against terror. But today, the FBI decided to release the transcript of 911 calls between the Orlando shooter and emergency dispatchers in the spirit of transparency or translucency at best, as Fox News would have us believe in advance of the release. The FBI said to release partial transcripts of the calls between the Orlando terrorist Omar Mateen and police during the massacre that killed 49. Attorney General Loretta Lynch confirming that only partial transcripts will go out, editing references to Islamic radicalism. Bill Hemmer, Fox News anchor, later had on Florida Governor Rick Scott to bemoan the fact that we have a president who doesn't want to admit that ISIS or ISIL is a danger. This is just seems like this is another example of not focusing on the, the evil here. This is evil. It's ISIS. It's radical Islam. At some point, you know, we lost 49 lives here. We lost Stephen Sotloff, a journalist out of Miami in 2014 that was beheaded by ISIS. At some point, we're going to get a president that's going to say, you know, I care about destroying ISIS. At some point, he should say that. Now, this point could be construed as yesterday when President Obama said this. During his killing spree, he pledged allegiance to ISIL, a group that's called on people around the world to attack innocent civilians. We are and we will keep doing everything in our power to stop these kinds of attacks and to ultimately destroy ISIL. But still, Fox News and Florida's governor could not understand why the president would not call out ISIS. What do you think the motivation is here? What, what are they, what's the administration afraid of? I have no idea, but sure appears that they don't want to talk about that ISIS was involved. This is clearly ISIS-inspired. It's clearly as a result of evil, radical Islam. We've got to, we've got to call this for what it is. This is this, we've got to defend our country. We've got to stop, you know, we've got to stop saying that ISIS is not the problem. They are the problem. The president always calls out ISIS, does not obfuscate, does not deny that ISIS, he calls them ISIL, motivated the lone wolf attacker here, the lone wolf attacker in San Bernardino. Indeed, he's led efforts to kill 25,000 ISIS fighters, to take back Fallujah, to go after terror networks at home and abroad. He's even gone further. He wants to protect Americans, for example, by denying ISIS adherent arms and minimize the killing power of those in thrall of ISIS. He wants to limit the ability of the terrorist group ISIS to terrorize by limiting the killing power of people who would kill in the name of ISIS. Now, admittedly, some of the other victims of gun violence whose lives would be saved if we had decent gun regulations, they'd have nothing to do with ISIS. They'd just be bonus, I guess, and not at all part of the ISIS equation. Gotta admit that. But of course, that part of how committed he is to fight ISIS, that's a little beyond the pale to some people. When the transcripts of the Florida shooter were released, redacted, as the attorney general said, so as not to provide ISIS with a recruiting platform, it was not mysterious who the killer was praising. Here is CNN reading the transcripts. Now, play along as you hear this. Try to imagine, it might take quite a bit of imagination, to who or what groups might go where the announcer says redacted. Mateen says, I'm in Orlando and I did the shootings. What's your name, says the 911 dispatcher. My name is, I pledge allegiance to what he says is initially redacted. Huh, 
I wonder who he could be talking about. It's a pernicious force. It has tentacles out there. They work their way into impressionable minds. It's an organization that's been known to transform people, to turn people into unrecognizable beings to the loved ones who knew them beforehand. I believe he was praising Soul Cycle. That has got to be it. The Spin Class Martyrs Brigade. But just in case my confusion was widespread, just in case the whole country was like, I think he means Soul Cycle. The FBI decided, oh, this is too much of a headache. We're just going to put the unredacted part out there. I mean, maybe they saw the headline on Fox.com, DOJ to scrub Islam references from transcripts of Orlando terrorist calls to police. And this is even though in the original FBI release, let me read you a sentence. In these calls, the shooter, who identified himself as an Islamic soldier, told the crisis negotiator that he was a person who pledged his allegiance to omitted and told the negotiator to tell America to stop bombing Syria and Iraq. So, you know, that omitted, I guess that leaves a lot of confusion. All right. But that was all out there. And they were getting criticized, not just by Republican news media, but almost every Republican official. So they just said, fine, we'll fill in the blanks. We'll supply the words. And you won't believe what group goes in that redacted part. It was ISIS. Also getting a shout out, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. So good that we're not sleeping on the al-Baghdadi shoutouts. Wonderful. Now we know what everyone already knew. Now we've spoken the words ISIS. Hillary Clinton's even spoken the words radical Islam. We're on national news reading transcripts of a killer praising ISIS and expounding on his motivation crediting ISIS. We might not be able to intercept you, to disarm you, to defend ourselves against you, but damn it, we can give you a platform afterwards. Because in this country, at least our words, if definitely not our guns, are unmuzzled. That's it for today's show. Just producer Mary Wilson is not the queen of bounce, but she's hoping to become the bounce budsman. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, his conception of bounce music is the opening few measures of the theme to Three's Company. Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of the Panoply Network, or as he calls it while vigorously thrusting his hips in a squatting position, the Panoply Net twerk, the gist. I am not the queen of bounce, but I am kind of the king of mispronounce. Oom peru, de peru, du peru, and thanks for listening. <laughs>